Welcome to the online sermons at King Street Church. Feel free to listen or watch online at kingstreetchurch.com. We're located at 162 East King Street in the heart of Chambersburg, PA, and would love to see you in person at one of our five Sunday services at 8.15, 9.45, or 11 a.m. We certainly hope you enjoy this morning's message. You may be seated. <clears throat> Amen. Well, it's good to be here today because we are a holy people. And I don't mean that necessarily in a positive sense. I mean, we are holy like a bucket can be holy. We are holy like a paper cup can be holy. We are holy like a jar of clay can be holy. We leak, we leak faith, we leak love, we leak mercy, we leak vision, don't we? We need to be here today to be renewed in our understanding of who God is, who we are, what Jesus has done, and how it is that we are to respond to what he has done, what we are called to do and to be, because we have to give an account of our lives before a holy God. Now, that is in the positive sense. Perfect. Awesome. But we need to be here today because so often we find ourselves making our way through life, and, uh, and it's our goal to be transformed. It is our desire. God calls us to live a transformed life, ever growing more and more into our Savior, Jesus. But sometimes, church, we all understand it can be two steps forward and three steps back. Some weeks are kind of like that. But my prayer for all of us is that in the long haul, it's three steps forward, even when it's two steps back. And I want us to see this, this journey that we're on in these three aspects of transformation that we're exploring this year, spiritually alive, relationally connected, missionally engaged. I want you to see them really in a way as a roadmap, as a roadmap, as markers along the way of our growth. Would you turn with me quickly to Ephesians chapter 2? I just want to show you as we re-engage this morning with with transformation, with discipleship, that the Apostle Paul really lays this out over and over again as a roadmap, as a journey, as a marker along the path. He starts in Ephesians chapters 1 through 3 by describing spiritual life. Look at chapter 2. I'll just kind of run into it from verse 1. As for you... You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. I appreciated what Pr Priscilla Schreier described as our enemy. We're going to take back ground because we're not going to give Satan the victory, but oh my goodness, we were born as sinners, dead in our transgressions. Verse 3, all of us also lived among them. Who's the them? That's us. That's this world prior to being saved. Gratifying the cravings of our flesh. Following its desires and its thoughts. Right, church? We get that. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. My word. Deserving of wrath. 
Scripture is clear that the wrath of God is coming against all of those who live according to the ways of this world. But because of his great love for us, here's the gospel. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. For it is by grace that we have been saved. Down in verse 8, by faith, not as a result of works, so that none of us can boast. Spiritual life begins when we receive by faith the, the gift of His Spirit, acknowledging our sin, repenting of our past, repenting of our, our darkened hearts. And being transformed. Spiritual life begins with transformation in this rebirth and renewal. Relationally connected. Look at chapter 4. As Paul moves out of this first half of Ephesians where he's describing spiritual life. Adoption as sons and daughters of God. He then turns a corner and he says, okay, as a prisoner of the Lord, I'm urging you now to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. What does that look like? Well, as we follow the roadmap, the next stop along the journey or the next part of the journey is relational connection. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with alelon. If you've been here the last few weeks, you know alelon is the Greek word that means what? One another. There's there's one of the 39 unique alle loans. One another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace, for there is one body and one Spirit. Spiritually alive, relationally connected. But it doesn't stop there. It's, it's, it's spiritual life through God. It's relational connection through community. And then it's engagement with the world, with the dark world in which we live. Look at chapter 5, verse 8 down to 16. For you were once darkness. He made that point in chapter 2, right? Dead in your sins, dead in your transgressions, but no moss. You're alive in Christ, but now through that life in Christ, you are light in the Lord. Paul now invokes this metaphor of light. And I think about this like the light of the moon, the light of the moon. The light of the moon reflects the light of the sun to a dark world. Live then as children of light. For the fruit of the light is goodness, righteousness, truth. Find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. Rather, enter that darkness, enter those dark corners with the light that you now have. Be missionally engaged. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient are doing in the dark corners right now. But everything exposed by light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That is why it's said, wake up, sleeper. Why? Because we leak, we fall asleep. We, we take two steps forward, three back. No, wake up, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. So be very careful how you live, not as wise or unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, missionally engaged. The theme today, taking the light of, of Christ into the dark corners of our community. Taking the light of Christ into the dark corners of our 
community. And by dark corners, what am I talking about? I'm talking about those in our community that are hurting, that are lonely, that are addicted, that are oppressed, that are in need of hope. And let me tell you right now, this list right, now, right here doesn't have any address. It doesn't, it doesn't have any um, socioeconomic status attached. This doesn't have any ethnicity attached or any color. This is uh, a world that we live in where people are hurting, are lonely, are addicted, are oppressed, are in need of hope. I think of Matthew 25. Pastor Don's going to be preaching on this in a few weeks. But I just want to touch on it. Hungry, thirsty, strangers, those in need of clothing, those who are sick, those who are in prison, Jesus said, inasmuch as you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren. What is done it? Done it is shining the light of Christ, taking the light of Jesus into these dark corners. Ultimately, ultimately, it is anyone who is lost. Lost. Spiritually alive, relationally connected, missionally engaged. Engaging a lost world. And we do it just as Jesus did. Just as Jesus did. Jesus hasn't called us to anything that he himself didn't do. We are to be just like our teacher, our rabbi, our master. We're to follow in his footsteps. Well, what are those footsteps? Turn with me to Luke 19. Luke 19. There are many stories that I could pull out here. Examples in the life of Christ. But this one stands out to me. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem to be crucified. To, he knew what was lying ahead. And, and the last stop on his way to Jerusalem is this city by the name of Jericho, right? The walls came tumbling down in the Old Testament with Joshua. This is, interestingly, the lowest city on earth, literally. It sits right on the shores of the Dead Sea, and the Dead Sea sits at 1,300 feet below sea level, and Jericho is right there. It's the lowest point on earth, and Jesus is making his way through the lowest point on earth, and he makes his way into what may be the darkest corner of the lowest point on earth. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man there by the name of Zacchaeus he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Uh, just a little background and what I understand, what teachers have taught about this, is that in those days when a tax collector was working on behalf of the Roman government, they were allowed to add their own fees and their own taxes to what was already being asked of the people, which was a heavy bur burden a significant tax load, but then a tax collector could like line his own pockets with additional taxes. So he was not just that guy, but this was also a pyramid scheme. So everything that all of the underlings pulled in, that kind of made its way up the pyramid to the chief of all the tax collectors. Guess who that was? Zacchaeus. Chief tax collector, wealthy, and might I add, not the most popular guy in town. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he couldn't see over the crowd. 
So he ran ahead, climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. I'm really tempted to sing this song right now. Because we know he was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. Climbed up in a sycamore tree. The Lord he wanted to see as the Savior passed that way. He looked up in the tree and he said what? Zacchaeus, you come down. Hurry down, Zacchaeus. For I'm going to your house. Today is my day to be a guest in your home. This is Living Bible. Zacchaeus scrambled out of the tree, hardly believing his good luck. Wow, really? Delighted to take Jesus home with him. Really? Wow. Everyone who saw the incident was indignant and grumped. What business does he have getting cozy with this crook? I'm going to tell you right now, Zacchaeus' home was the darkest corner on the lowest city on earth. Do you believe that? Do you see that? A dark corner. Nobody. What's he doing at Zacchaeus' house? Now, in this particular case, it was laden with ivory and gold, but that didn't mean it wasn't dark. Very dark. What happens next? All the people who saw this said he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up in this luncheon, this dinner, and he said to Jesus, Look, Lord, here and now. Now, pause. You know what the Bible says. Be very hasty not to make a vow before the Lord that you won't fulfill. Well, he makes a vow. In this moment, he said, Look, Lord. Here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. What? Right now, half. Half of my bank account, 50% to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'm going to pay them back four times the amount. So half of it, gone immediately. The other half, he's going to take four times whatever he stole from someone and give it back. I'm going to tell you right now, in one fell two sentences, Zacchaeus became a very, very not wealthy guy. He gives it all away right there. What? What? Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save who? The lost. And how did he do it? He went into their worlds. He went into the dark corners of where they lived. This isn't just a cool story about a short guy in a big tree. This is how we, we, ready, are supposed to live. This is how we're supposed to live. Each and every day. And I'm going to tell you right now, this will be on the final. You know what I mean when I say that, right? This will be on the final exam. We're going to be checked on how we did on this one. In fact, when you look at the story of the sheep and the goats, like this is the final. <laughs> going into the dark corners. I'm going to ask you right now, is anyone here like chocolate? Anyone? And I see that hand. One hand. Yes, Debbie. I do too. 
Well, I, I, I love metaphors, and there's a, a few scenes out of a movie called Chocolat that I want to show you right now, because it, for me, this kind of helps answer the question, all right, what does this look like? How do I do this? Because, yeah, okay, tax collectors, we, you know, we have the IRS, but I don't know, it gets a little fuzzy, we don't know who's who and whatever. How do we, how do, we do it? Now, I'm going to just, little disclaimer to say that by using some movie clips, I, I'm not endorsing the movie. Hollywood never quite get it, quite get it, gets it, quite gets it right. Of course, there's some scenes in the movie I don't at all endorse. But there is a, a storyline in this movie. It's a 15, 20-year-old movie that has really stuck with me as a picture, as a metaphor for what it looks like to share the love of Jesus with a lost and hurting world. And I'm going to show you five brief scenes. And I've given them titles. Scene one, I'm simply calling Grace. Little backstory: a woman named Vienne. She moves into a little French community. Very ingrown, cliquish French community. And she opens a chocolate shop in this French community. Ruffles some feathers. And she begins interacting with a woman in the community by the name of Josephine. And this is the first interaction that Josephine has with Vienne as she makes her way into the chocolate shop. guessing people's favorites. These are your favorites. How did you know? Am I right? <laughs> On the house. I think I Grace. Kindness. Mercy. Josephine makes her way for the first time into the chocolate shop, and she is clearly troubled. Vienne seems to know that Josephine has taken some chocolate. How do we guess that? Because she says, I see these are your favorites. Like you just put one in your pocket. <laughs> but she chooses, right? She chooses to show her kindness. On the house, she says. So the first interaction, I simply would call grace. The next scene... I've entitled The Dark Corner because Vienne presses out from the chocolate shop and goes to where Josephine lives. Jack of Hearts is about a hundred in here and shoots the trumpet from right out under your nose. The one and only. What's your pleasure? Is your wife here? Josephine. Well, it depends what you want with Josephine. Oh, she left this at my shop. Well, let me have it. I'll give it to her. 
Oh, no, I'll, I'll give it to her myself, thanks. Do you want to play? You know Balat? Of course I do. Sit down. <laughs> Josephine? Hello? What do you want? You forgot this. What do you want? To be your friend. Hmm. I don't have friends. Does Serge know you're here? Does it matter? Do me a favor. Try one of these rose creams. Tell me if you think it's a little heavy on the quantum. Josephine lives in probably the darkest corner of that little French village. Vienne presses past the barriers. Serge, who doesn't want her going back there, back into this back room, and takes some chocolate into her darkness. It is a beauty, beautiful act of kindness. I thought about Jesus when he said, I'm going to your house today, Zacchaeus. He enters into his world. The third act, I just want to show you a few seconds but I've called it the sweet aroma. Hmm. You see, after Vienne leaves, her act of kindness lingers long after she leaves. Okay, the fourth act I've called, Would You Like to Come In for Some Chocolate? How long have you been standing here? I forgot to pay you for something the other day. I'm sorry. No, it was a gift. No, people talk. No, people will lie about me. I don't steal. Not on purpose. I... Yes, I know. It's nice to see you. Would you like to come in for some chocolate? Mm -hmm. A relationship has been established. Josephine now knows that Vienne cares about her. And I love how Vienne reaches out. And what does she do? She touches Josephine. She makes a connection with her. Scene number five. A safe place. Let's see where this relationship goes. Stay here. So he tried to come after me, but I had already tied his feet with his belt. And <laughs> Boom! Right on his face. Right there on his big red face. Oh. Oh. 
blame him. Sometimes I even forget what really happened. When things seem the darkest, Josephine knows that Vienna is there for her and that she can run to the chocolate shop for help. I just want to suggest that in, in some ways, metaphorically, this is God's plan for the church. To go into the dark corners of our community. Some of us here today can identify with Josephine or Zacchaeus. You've been living in some form of darkness. I want to tell you right now, Jesus is pursuing you and inviting you to come in for some chocolate. You are loved. But all of us, church, all of us are called to take the light or the chocolate, if you will, into the dark corners of our community. And that chocolate is the light of the gospel. It's the light of the gospel. The love of Jesus. I think about what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. But by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. For the God of this age is blinding the minds of unbelievers so they can't see the light of the gospel of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ who is the image of God. For what we preach, it's not ourselves, but it's Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine into where? Our hearts. Our darkened hearts. To give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. That's the most beautiful part of all of this. Is that Jesus comes into the darkness of our hearts. And fills our hearts with his love and his mercy and his light. When we humble ourselves. When we receive all that he has for us. We have the opportunity to come to this table right now. And receive the gift of God's love. Displayed through his very body. Poured out for us. I invite you if you would pray with me. Jesus, you invite us to this table. To come just as we are. To come and to receive the gift of of your mercy and forgiveness and light and love. You tell us, Jesus, though, you warn us, don't come lightly or irreverently. Examine your heart. And come understanding that, Jesus, this is your very body and blood that we are receiving and celebrating. So we come humbly, Jesus. We come gratefully, thankfully, Jesus, that you love us. And that you've given yourself for us. And it's in your name we pray. We hope you enjoyed this morning's message. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to contact us using our online form on our website at kingstreetchurch.com or by calling us here at 717-264-4651 during our regular business hours. 
be sure to stop by and see us in person at one of our five Sunday morning services, 8.15 a.m., 2 at 9.45 a.m., as well as 2 at 11 a.m. We look forward to seeing you there.